0: Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast dedicated to Scottish food and drink. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and every fortnight I'll be chatting to some of the best-known names, artisan producers and brewers and distillers in this diverse industry. From master blenders to local pub owners and celebrated chefs, Scran is your ultimate guide to eating and drinking your way around Scotland. Coming up. On this episode, I'll be finding out all about Scottish rum, and if it is indeed the next big drinks trend after gin. Jacine, known as Jay, from Matuga Rum and Kit from Ninefold Distillery, joined me on our first video call to discuss their businesses and how exactly you can make such a tropical spirit in Scotland, since we're not exactly known for our sunny weather.
1: Scottish rum has to be made completely in Scotland. So rum has to be made from sugarcane. So inevitably that means that uh, because we can't grow sugarcane in Scotland, uh, at least not at any large scale, then that has to be imported so you can't use that kind of story of, you know, locally grown. So the Scottishness comes into that you are, you know, fermenting that sugarcane either as molasses or as, as pressed uh, juice, that you're then distilling and then if you wish to you're ageing or flavouring within the country as well.
0: Jane and also discussed their favourite rum
2: based cocktails. Do you know, my favourite is a rum punch, specifically the family recipe. For me, it's something that is very familiar, it's very fruity, it's often made with a a high-spent, overproof white rum. Having that over-iced with a slice of lime on a hot day is is quite a thirst quencher.
0: Nick Nearn is also back with his cooking tips. This time, it's how to make a cheese sauce.
3: So melt the butter first. Now, every roux recipe will tell you to use equal weights of flour and butter don't. Use about 15% more flour so that when the butter melts in the flour you can actually fry the flour in the butter and you cook it.
0: And finally I discuss my lockdown meals of choice and how to make a favourite drink at home. And then you put in a shot of rum. I've got the Glasgow Distillery Banditi Club rum here. Welcome back to Scran and the start of July which means that beer gardens and outdoor hospitality can hopefully reopen soon. This has obviously, in true Scottish style, led to the arrival of near non stop rain, but this won't put off those determined to get back out and socialise, at a distance. Now it's officially summer, I thought it was time to find out more about, arguably, one of Scotland's more summery drinks, rum. For a few years now, the conversation around Scottish rum has been that it's going to take off in a way that Scottish gin did. I'm keen to find out more about the growth of rum distillation in Scotland, as well as what makes it different from the spirit produced elsewhere. So I set up a video call with Jasine from Matuga Rum and Kit from Ninefold Distillery to find out more. And yes, I was really excited to actually see guests for the first time in months. Hi everyone, so today we have something a bit different. This time I can actually see my guests, even though it's on screen. We're doing a Skype call and this week it's all about Scottish rum. And we've got two guests, it's Jay from Matuga Rum and Kit of Ninefold Distillery. So hi guys, how are you both? Doing good, thanks.
1: Yeah, doing fine, thank you.
0: So, Jay, you're the co-founder of Matuga Rum, which launched in 2018. Why did you decide to start
2: distilling rum? So, um, my family's from Jamaica, so I guess I've I've had a long-standing appreciation of of rum. It's certainly the family uh, spirit, all of our kind of social gatherings. We put it in our rum cake, we put it in our rum punch. They're certainly very, very familiar with rum. Um, it wasn't the case for my husband Paul, who's born in Uganda, uh, where they don't typically drink rum. Um, although they have lots of sugarcane, they mostly drink in white spirits and whiskies, gins, etc. So I guess back in the early around 2013, Paul and I had an idea after spending time in Uganda, and uh, it was quite a, a curious thing to me that I could not get rum in the region when there's so much sugarcane so we started looking um you know further afield in terms of where there's africa figure in the world of fine spirits couldn't really see many rums on the global world stage so we decided that we would we would launch a, a rum brand that was specifically linked to the region so yeah quite a, a curious kind of beginning um neither of us had any expertise in the in the drink sector for a civil engineer myself I was a corporate marketer just had our first child so I was looking for something different and well launching a rum brand was certainly something different so so here we are
0: and Kit Ninefold is Dumfries and Galloway's only rum distillery I think I'm right in saying that so how did that come about
1: for you? Uh, Well in a similar way to Jay and Paul uh, Matuga I had no background in the spirits industry at all so my background is kind of geology environmental science and I'd finished a, a PhD about four years ago uh, in Edinburgh and was struggling to find work after that. So I, I moved back home to my family estate down in Dufferys and Galloway uh, and was yeah looking to find work and was struggling. So I thought I'll make my own work, I'll create my own job. So there are, there's some empty old farm buildings here on the estate, uh, which we looked at, at various different things we could do with them and i guess with the strength of like craft gin and craft brewing and whiskey and things i thought it might be quite interesting to to get into into that sector but not do those things and do something which at the time i was thinking about it uh, three or four years ago rum wasn't really a, a thing in scotland there was maybe one or two brands around and, and that was it so, thought this could be interesting to get into this early uh, and hope that it, it took off. Uh, so yeah, I finally ended up launching just last year and in that two or three years from deciding I was going to do this to actually launching the, the um, Scottish rum scene just suddenly sprung up seemingly out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, so you've mentioned um, gin there. So I I keep hearing and have done for quite a few years that rum is the new gin for Scotland in terms of popularity. Is that something that you would both agree on? Just Jay first, and then I'll come back to you, Kit.
2: There's certainly a curiosity to discover more about rum. Um, I mean, uh, myself and Paul, we've attended quite a few festivals, even gin shows over the past year. And obviously the gin marketplace is quite saturated and it's still a huge incredible thirst for it but certainly consumers are always looking for for new flavours, new drinking experiences, new styles Um, and I think there's generally quite a strong interest in the craft movement, be it beer, be it spirits so you know we're finding that consumers are certainly interested in, in the craft of rum making in the UK and wanting to know more, wanting to know how you drink it and um, understand how it can actually be made in the UK when they're so familiar with rums being made in the tropic. So for us, it's great because it's such a new thing in terms of us being part of a new wave of um, rum distillers in Scotland. Um, and we we're right at the beginning of this movement. And as producers, we're discovering and learning
1: and that can only be great for the consumer.
0: And yes, yeah, what, what are your thoughts?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'd agree with with much of that, although I think there's more, there are more people saying that rum is going to be the next gin or is the next gin than is actually demonstrating that by buying rum. (laughs) (laughs) So so the volume of gin being sold still far exceeds what rum is selling at the moment. Um, Certainly from a, in terms of kind of independent producers anyway. So although there's a lot of chat about it, I, I don't think that's necessarily being reflected in in sales. Um, although the spiced rum category is certainly kind of leading the way and, and um, sales have picked up massively in that. But there's still still very little awareness of Scottish rum or even kind of craft rum in, in general. People's focus is still very much on gin. And that's something that's people like Jay and Paul and myself. Are trying to trying to address uh in in a way and to kind of make people more aware of what it is that we do and how we do it and um that what we make is is just as interesting or as craft as as any of the the gins that people inevitably have heard of
0: and do you find so kind of taking that point i sort of find that in within scottish drinks like whiskey and gin people are buying into the spirit story so like the different casks and whiskey or the botanicals and gin can this be applied to rum production? And what is it that makes a Scottish rum? Because, like you say, it's you think of like you know Cuba or like tropical places. But actually, how Scottish is Scottish rum? So, Kate, I'll come to you. <laughs> um,
1: I think the beauty of rum is that it, it's so flexible in that way. So you mentioned, you know, if you're if it's, if it's gin, a lot of the story is is down to the botanicals and where they're sourced. With whiskey, yeah, there's a lot to do about sorting of casks and, and so on. Rum has both those stories, or can have both those stories. Um, you can produce flavored rum or botanical rum or a spiced rum or something from things that you can you can forage locally uh, if if you so wish to. And there's a story of the casks that you can be using to to age rum in as well. So rum is such a versatile spirit. Arguably more versatile than than many others. Um, there's just so many variations of it that uh, yeah you can really you can tap into whatever story it is that that suits you, whichever route you want to you want to go down. In terms of what makes rum Scottish, for me anyway, and I'm I'm sure Jay will agree that Scottish rum has to be made completely in Scotland. So rum has to be made from sugarcane. Uh, it can't be made from from sugar beet. So inevitably that means that. Uh, because we can't grow sugarcane in Scotland, uh, at least not at any sort of large scale, then that has to be imported. So you can't use that kind of story of you know locally grown kind of source material. So the Scottishness comes into that you are you know fermenting that sugarcane either as molasses or as as pressed uh, juice that you're then distilling, and then if you wish to, you're aging or flavouring in the country as well. So, for for me, for for us, I think that's really important that that all of that process is done here in order for it to be called Scottish.
0: And what about you, Jay? Is that kind of your thoughts? Or
2: yeah, I mean, it, it, it certainly has a sense of place. I mean, if Paul was here. Paul is our distiller, family distiller. Mm-hmm. You know, he would talk about his open fermentation and the uh, you know the flora and you know that our style of rum in terms of its character and flavor is very actually uh, very much unique to to even Livingstone where we distil into Scotland.
0: Is it a bit like so? You know how there's gins that say they're Scottish gins, but they're like they're buying in green spirit. Is it is it not green spirit? But like neutral spirit? Is it kind of similar in that sense that you guys are getting the sugar cane and then you're doing all your work on it in Scotland?
2: Yeah, so there's definitely different styles of production when it comes to rum as a product of Scotland. So. Um, as it stands now, what's kind of interesting is that most of the the rum being produced in Scotland is being made from scratch, which means as as Pitt um, explained, we are taking that raw material and handcrafting that into into spirit. There's another section of uh, producers who will source their bulk raw material, their their bulk rum from elsewhere ready-made if you like, and they'll source from the Caribbean or, or wherever, but they'll import that rum and that will be the starting point for them to then spice or to to past age. So since we're very early on in terms of Scottish rum, it's quite helpful actually for producers, buyers, and consumers to actually understand how rum is being made
1: in Scotland. If I can add into that, actually. So Rosalind, you asked about like the difference sort of between importing you know, like taking a neutral spirit uh, and making a Scottish gin with it versus importing sugarcane. yeah, I guess I guess' it's kind of the, it is kind of the same. If you're making gin, gin gin starts as as a like I said as a neutral spirit. So it doesn't I don't think it really matters where that's made because gin is made by taking a neutral spirit and flavoring it with juniper. And, and whatever else that you, that you use. So if that process is done in Scotland, then absolutely it's a Scottish gin. With rum, rum is the spirit that is made when it's distilled. So if you distill a rum yeah, in South America or in the Caribbean, and then bring it into Scotland, the rum has already been made, so it's not a Scottish rum. Now, what you then do within Scotland after that. Is up to you to do like uh, jc you can cascade it or spice it or or blend it or, or whatever but the the rum has already been made so unlike gin where sure that the spirit the base spirit can be made anywhere in the world when you add the juniper to it that's when it becomes gin so genuinely it's scottish gin if you're adding your botanicals in scotland but with rum if yeah the spirits been made elsewhere and then brought into scotland then it's not scottish Uh, at least certainly that's that's my perspective maybe not everyone (laughs) would agree with that but
0: yeah it's, it's good to sort of get that distinction because I know over the course of a few years like the whole thing with gin has become a bit more talked about and you know there's like you say there's the scottishness is sort of debated sometimes like probably within like the geeky drink circles that i'm in <laughs> um but yeah no it's good to kind of get more of an understanding because it, is it very interesting that it's like you know scottish rum is a thing because you don't think of it as coming from scotland but you know it's it's sort of good to get like an insight into like how you're doing it and like how you're explaining it this is probably a stupid question, but are you guys rum drinkers? And if so, what's your favorite rum based drink or cocktail? Um, so I'll go back to Jay for this one.
2: Goodness, yes, I am a <laughs> rum drinker. <laughs> um, oh, you know my favorite is a rum punch, specifically the family recipe. For me, it's something that is very familiar, it's very fruity. It's often made with a, a high-spent, overproof white rum. Having that over ice with a slice of lime on a hot day is, is quite a thirst quencher. So um, I have my own recipe, and if anybody comes to our distillery, that's the first thing that they have as a welcome drink. And so for me, I, I champion
1: the rum punch.
0: That sounds good. Right, and Kit?
1: Um, this is pretty terrible for me to admit, but before I set up a rum distillery, I wasn't a rum drinker at all. I had a bottle of uh, Appleton Estate rum that I'd actually brought back from Jamaica from uh, a university field trip about 15 years ago. And it had a large, I, although i drank drunk some of it, it had largely sat <laughs> undrunk in the cupboard. Um, so when I decided to set up a rum distillery, yeah, one of the first things I did was to... Uh, do some research, so um, obviously that involved getting into rum and, and drinking rum. So um, my favourite rum drink um, is either, it, it sounds really simple, but just a rum and coke. I, maybe it's because I've got real sweet tooth, but uh, rum and coke just, just suits me really nicely. Um, but in terms of cocktails, like a, uh, just a really simple daiquiri, it's, it's a dead easy cocktail to make. Um, there's only three ingredients, you can knock it up really quickly. And it it's so uh, refreshing uh, and it really showcases whatever rum it is that you've put into it because it's basically all rum with a bit of lime and a bit of sugar.
0: Yes. I like how we're talking about really refreshing somebody drinks. And I don't know about you guys, but it's absolutely chucking it down outside
1: <laughs> and quite
0: cold. <laughs> so, do you um, do you guys prefer dark rum or white rum? And what's the difference between the two? Kit, I'll start with you.
1: Uh, that's that's quite a long I can give you a really long answer to that there is uh, but I'll try not to people like to categorize rum in terms of color but it's actually not particularly helpful because uh, in fact you only have to look at um, if you go into the supermarket and look at um, Havana Club 3 so Havana Club 3 is like a is a, a big brand you'll see all around the world uh, it's a white rum but it's been aged and It's had the colour taken out of it, so it, although it's a white rum, it's had, I think, five years at least of ageing in a barrel, and then had the colour stripped out. So, if they hadn't taken the colour out, that would have been arguably a a dark rum, but it would taste exactly the same. So, in terms of flavour, there's no real, there's not necessarily a difference between white rum and dark rum. And equally, you could take a white rum, add caramel colour to it and turn it into a dark rum and it will taste exactly the same as, as the white rum that it started with in terms of kind of what do i prefer it's not really about whether it's white or dark it's more where it's from so where it's been made uh, whether that's guyana whether it's um, jamaica barbados um, usa wherever like everywhere has its own unique flavor profile and then on top of that it's then what they've done with it so how long it's been aged for types of casks it's been put into and i don't have a particular favorite as such it's just whatever is kind of interesting
0: do you have anything to add to that jay i'm sorry i didn't realize that was that's a really interesting thing (laughs) because i thought it was two very separate drinks so
1: (laughs) we were actually sorry sorry but in again Um, so something that's Jay and I and a group of us are, are looking to do is to is to set uh, a more honest classification for Scottish rum uh, eventually, and that will that won't have we won't talk about color in in that classification. The, the classification will be based on well, obviously the fact that it's Scottish, um, but also how it has been made. So the type of still it has been made on, whether it's been aged or not. So that gives the consumer much more information about uh, the type of rum that they'd be expecting to to drink so there's there's a bit of education to go around that but it's it's we think a better way than just saying you know white dark so yeah sorry jay <laughs> i could have bust in there
2: um the only thing i would add is it just for me depends on drinking occasion and where i am at home i like to do uh, food pairings actually with a uh, neat rum and that can be white rum or dark rum, it depends on what I'm having. So if I'm pairing with cheeses or some smoked salmon, I could quite easily have a small dram of white rum. Um, and this white rum followed by smoked salmon and melon is very, very delicious. And we're really trying to get people to, to actually explore the versatility of rum as a food pairing option. If I'm traveling, um, for instance, we spent quite a lot of time in the French Caribbean, in Martinique, the only thing I'm going to reach for is a white rum, a white agricole rum, um, which is very much a cultural tipple. And again, we're always learning that in France and in the French Caribbean, there's a specific uh, white rum served that I just love. And it's called a tea punch, a putty punch. And it's a triple shot of high spent white rum, a teaspoon of sugar, a slice of lime and you just let that steep and mellow. It sounds intense, it is, but you're always going to have that with food, hot foods, hot snacks, and it's very durable. So for me, I just love combining uh, white rum um, or dark rums with food, and I think it's certainly an area for foodies to explore. That's quite exciting.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've never tried that before, so we need to give it a go. Uh, so speaking of um, different types of rum, Jay, you've just re- recently released a new range. So can you tell me a wee bit more about that?
2: Sure. So in the beginning, we had our um, Tugger rum range, um, which really is about cascade spirits. So Paul, our distiller, he's actually, I'm going to out him, he's a whiskey man. at <laughs> um, But my family have brought him towards rum so what you have in matuga are very very complex flavorsome spirits. Um they're quite bold and in your face and uh what we have wanted to do for quite some time is is um launch a companion brand which probably slightly more accessible to, to newcomers to rum so we have launched live liv liv rum which is a bit of a nod to place we are distilling in livingston But live in the Nordic regions means life and living. So it's a very um, lively, dynamic name we thought for brand. So um, completely different style to Matuga Rum in that at the center of it, first time we've launched a white rum. So we've got a regular spent white rum, 42.5%. And one that's a little bit more potent, um navy strength version, which is overproof at fifty-seven and a half percent. And so the white rum becomes a canvas for lots of experimentations. We've done a spice version, and uh, we are going to be launching some live rum liqueurs next month, um, which these are foraging around Scotland for flavors and fruits and botanicals. So there's a honey and lavender rum infusion. And also a raspberry and hibiscus rum infusion, so a little bit of a nod to what we've seen happening with the genesis and, and gin. We've chosen to to make our rum liqueurs quite pure in that they are all natural. Um, so we're in West Lothian, which is I don't know if many people know it's very much a, a honey county. There's lots of beekeepers locally. We've got lots of lavender. Um, we've chosen raspberry. There's you know berries all around Scotland, so. Yeah, we've been having quite a lot of fun with that and getting quite a good reaction.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Um, and Kit, what rums are in your range? And I know that you did a charity cask sale recently, so could you tell us a wee bit about that as well?
1: Yeah, my only offering at the moment is is a, a white rum. So it's an unaged pot distilled rum, which I, I bottle 40%. Uh, and it's very clean, smooth, easy drinking spirit, um, accessible, I think, to to a lot of people. And I'm working on a splice drum, so that'll be that'll be coming hopefully fairly soon. I've been working on that since the start of the year, uh, and I think I'm nearly there with it. But yeah, the 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 real long term goal of the distillery is to do cask aged releases. Uh, so I've got a, a warehouse here that'll I think store about 300 barrels in it. So that that's really where um, I'm aiming for is is with those um, sort of barrel expressions. And yeah, I. Let's see. Back at the start of yeah, start of this month, start June, um, I took the first five casks that I laid down in September last year, uh, and just took uh, equal measures out, out of them and did just ten bottles out of those five casks, uh, and I released that uh, to raise money for for charities. I raised about seventeen hundred pounds. Uh, half of that went to um, the Ben, um, which is a charity supports uh, people in the trade. Obviously they've been massively affected with uh, the coronavirus and you know, lots of people's livelihoods are on the line. So I, I wanted to at least give a little back into them. Uh, and then the other half of the money I raised went to a local charity called The Food Train. Uh, so they, uh, they deliver basically people shopping to them uh, Largely, uh, older people who can't get out of the house uh, normally, and of course with coronavirus are, are extremely vulnerable. So but when I've been doing shopping for my parents during the coronavirus, I, I see the food train every day that I'm in, or every time I'm at, at the supermarket. So I, I wanted to uh, to help them out as well. So yeah, that that was was a good success. The, the 10 bottles sold out within about five minutes, not going online, uh, which is great. And uh, come September, I'll do a single cask release, uh, which will be my first one. And I don't think I'll sell out quite as quickly, but uh, <laughs> you never know.
0: And do you think there, there will be a, a market for like the secondary, you know, like the secondary market in whiskey is pretty huge. Do you think there will be a market for that for rum like in the future?
1: I'm I'm sure there will. I, I think the, the issue is scale. So even a small whiskey distillery, because... Their their only product is cask aged. You know, I and mean, that's the definition of whiskeys, and it? So it has to be over three years in a you know, uh, in a wooden cask. So, the amount of products and the amount of casks they have compared with um, currently what uh, at least the rum producers I know in Scotland, you know, it's a different scale. So, you know, when I come to do uh, cask releases, I'll only have like one cask, one barrel, <laughs> which I'll need to find a. will I I'll I'll probably end up refilling myself, but trying to find a, a home for that may be maybe tricky on the secondary market. I'm sure eventually, sure, that I think there will be a, a good tie between uh whiskey distilleries and rum distilleries in, in doing cask swaps and things. Uh but in in, in the short term, yeah, we're yeah, like I said, it's, it's a different scale that, that we're at.
0: And um, so you've both kind of said in the beginning that you're relatively new to the drinks industry in the terms that you were kind of doing other things before this. Um, so what have been the main challenges and the main positives of um, getting into this industry? Um, Jay, we'll go to you first.
2: I'll start with the positives. Um, the rum community is fantastic. I've been in it for about five years now you know, as the very passionate kind of groups of, of rum lovers who follow rum festivals around the world that we get to meet, you know, we're always learning about new styles. And uh, there's a lot of camaraderie, certainly amongst the brand, not just in the UK, but in Europe and, and globally. Um, for us, we export to, to France, and that kind of gives us the a window into to brands on, on the world stage and we get to meet other fellow rum brand owners and producers from around the world, which is is very helpful as we've been starting out, learning as we go essentially. In fact, it was our trip to Martinique that really made us sure that this is what we wanted to do because we met with so many small scale rum producers who are just producing the most beautiful spirit. Um, you know, and and Kit mentioned scale. They're, they're tiny and their output is, is amazing. And um, so I think that that really inspired us to get into it. On the challenging side, I mean, as a distillery owner, that just comes with all of its challenges, you know, running this sort of operation in a territory that's very unfamiliar for rum making. You know, my husband has had to learn how to, to make rum in a, a cooler climate. Uh, that comes with challenges around fermentation and, and also aging. But we've had to adapt very quickly. I think, as as Kit mentioned earlier, because what we're doing is so early stage, getting not only consumers to understand that, you know, UK-made, Scottish-made rum can be held up with some of the great rums around the world, but also buyers and wholesalers to understand our craft. You know, it's it's a big undertaken on the education side, get people to understand that, you know, it's a certain price point because they're lovingly handcrafted from scratch or, you know, it's artisanal, there's a passion and and, and a real unique craftsmanship that that we're demonstrating here. So that's okay, we're early stage and, you know, I know we've come on to talk about the rum festival, but that's all part of this exercise of raising awareness of our Scottish rum-making craft. The identity has not even yet been formed which is very exciting it's still finding its way um, so the challenge is also opportunities because it's such a, a unique and
1: young early stage space
0: and kit what are your thoughts
1: um i'd pretty much agree with everything that jay said <laughs> yeah on, on the on the positives yeah community uh, has been has been great for me personally i i I get a lot out of doing like public-facing uh, events and things, and going out and meeting consumers and meeting the public, uh, which obviously you will not be able to really do um, so much this year. So I'm really looking forward to getting back into that. Uh, but it's it's great seeing people's uh, perception is being changed uh, when they're maybe sceptical about rum or about your particular product, and they have a, a taste of it, and you can see like their you can see their face. Uh, involuntary, just completely change, <laughs> you know, to one of either surprise or delight or or even a, a face you're not quite sure what it is they're pulling uh, until they go, you know, they, they then tell you what it is that they're thinking. So I, I I get a real kick out of that. I really enjoy that, that side of things. There's massive challenges on the other side. Um, but again, you know, like Jay coming from zero experience in the industry, you have to learn extremely fast so yeah, and that's to do with um, you know obviously the legal side of things and the paperwork side, uh, as well as just simply you know how you market yourself in a very competitive market, and and that's not just competitive rum market, that's the whole spirits and alcohol category uh, as, as it is. So yeah, that they're they're big big challenges, um, but ultimately, like Jay said, it's about education and, and awareness um, and trying to do our best to to improve that amongst consumers because uh, then that makes you know our lives easier I suppose when it comes to um, actually selling our products, which is kind of what we're here for.
0: <laughs> um, and you've mentioned the um the first Scottish drum festival which is taking place online uh, next month. So what can you tell us about that and what can people expect?
2: The origins is that as a as a group we we came together to think of ways that we could promote what we're doing so we were successful in getting a connect local regional food fund grant to the stage the first scottish run festival and that was due to take place in edinburgh at the merchant Ball. not happening so rather than wait another year we decided that we'd pivot the event online so really excited to be to stage this virtual experience it's i guess you could call it edutainment it's going to be a full day of talks and tastings for rum lovers and novices um, who really want to understand what what Scottish rum is is all about so we have 10 exhibiting brands as we would have done with a physical event. But at the heart of it, we are showcasing those brands within a um, festival tasting set. So as you buy your ticket for the event, you get this um, expertly curated tasting set featuring different rum styles out of Scotland, which is really exciting. We've got your white rums, we've got uh, cask aged rums and spice. So we think it gives provides a good Introduction to to the different styles of rum that's been made in Scotland. And then on Saturday, the 25th, we'll invite, 25th of July, we'll invite ticket holders to to join us online um, between half 12 and nine um, for a really well thought out, we think, um, curated programme. It's going to be hosted by Peter Holland from the Floating Rum Shack, who's um, a rum educator and enthusiast. And he will be joined by the distillers, uh, many of the distillers from around Scotland that are, are making rum the conversations and pastings and, and um, demonstrations. Um, we're also really excited that uh, Dave Broome, um internationally known spirit expert and educator, will also be um, part of the programme. Um, and so he is. Uh, really getting into um, Scottish rum in terms of its history and um, what's happening now, and he will be providing some great insights on Scotland's heritage with rum and the exciting movement that we're seeing now. We're also going to be joined by uh, Mungo Hi-Fi out of Glasgow, providing some uh, entertainment. So we want to create a virtual experience that's slightly different. Um, and one that will help the public to, to have some strong takeaways around what's happening in Scottish RUM. But also, you know, people taking a day out of their weekend, we want them to be entertained as well.
0: Sounds good. And Kit, you're, you're going to be part of this, aren't you? Uh,
1: yes, uh, I'm, I'm along for the ride, mostly, <laughs> on this one. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be involved. There, are, We've got um, ten Scottish RUM producers, uh, involved, of which the majority of those all make rum from scratch in Scotland, uh, including myself. Um, so yeah, it's it should be a really good way of um, doing kind of meet the maker thing, letting consumers as they are drinking our spirits, they can drink along with the people who make it. You know, I, which I think is a is a really great way of great way of doing it. So yeah, I, I think actually I'm. In the programme i'm first up so i've got the the task of <laughs> no uh, setting the tone for the whole thing so i'll, I'll put my professional face on and uh, try not crack any any bad jokes but i think it's going to be really it's going to be really special and the fact that it's the first scottish rum festival as well i'm hoping that there's going to be quite a bit of buzz around it and that if we if we smash it on the day um that's uh come next year we can do a proper physical event and um yeah, get a lot of people at that as well.
2: I forgot to mention that um, we'll be donating some of the proceeds to the Ben. Um, Kit mentioned the great work that they're doing earlier, so five pounds from every ticket goes to to support their great work. If
0: you're a whisky lover, there's nothing quite like the Scotch Malt Whisky Society. The original game changer. They are the leading whisky club, bringing twenty-seven thousand members around the world together at a socially acceptable distance. Join their family of whisky adventurers now and enjoy memorable whisky experiences that open your mind and challenge preconceptions. An impressive collection of whisky that you can't buy anywhere else, that changes every month, as well as great virtual gatherings and tastings and whisky stories to keep you educated and entertained. Go to www.smws.com for more details on how to become part of the society's global community. And if you had um, advice to give anyone looking to getting into distilling rum, what would what would what would be like the key the key pieces of advice you would give
2: people? So, I can kick off. Um, number one is get to know rum beyond one brand. You know, really explore the category, and um, you know whether it's English style, Spanish style, French style. There is so much to discover, so I would advise anybody to to get that education, whether it's through books, touring rum festivals. That's what we did. We went to rum festivals um, in the UK and overseas, so that by the time that we started producing, we knew rum and we knew exactly the style of rum that we wanted to make. Just school yourself, educate yourself. You know, I think there's obviously traditions around rum and there's rum references, but there's there's always space for innovation. But, you know, certainly it's about understanding how to make rum well, I would say, um, and understanding the craft as it applies to making it in the UK as well, because it's obviously a very different environment. So knowledge on all levels, I would say.
1: Yeah, I would, um, to to that, I would add to to speak to other rum producers, uh, you know we generally we're quite helpful, friendly bunch, and certainly I, I've you know I've had I have a lot of time for uh, people who are looking to set up uh, a new brand um, or a new rum business, and if they want to get in touch to have a chat with them about the the pitfalls, the challenges, and and so on. Um, it's it's always good to engage with those who are already already in the industry. But there's another bit of advice I'd give to anyone looking to get in. Don't expect to enter the market and make a lot of money. Uh, Rum is nowhere near what gin is at the moment. Uh, Like like we were talking right back at the start um, of this conversation that gin has been massively successful and rum has been talked about in the same way as gin, but it has yet to happen. Um, it may never happen. Um, it might do. I mean, that'd be great. But I think people need to be really realistic about the type of business they're looking to set up, the amount of money that they're putting into it, and what they're going to get, what they're going to get back out of it. As long as people are, you know, are kind of realistic about what they're trying to do uh, and are honest about what they're doing and how they're doing it, then yeah, just go for it.
0: Um, and we've got a section of the podcast called desert island drinks and i'll start with you Kit. it's if you could take three drinks onto a desert island what would they be and why <laughs> <laughs> and they can oh, be be if you want them to be i'll,
1: I'll go with the boring one so i take water obviously <laughs> be drink number one i would take with me so as, as a non-alcoholic drink i i really love um just like fresh orange and soda uh it's just I, I I love orange juice um, and so yeah you um, sort of freshen up a bit with uh, with some soda water and it goes down pretty well. So I take that with me and I would probably take a pina colada as well. Why not? If you're going to be in Desert Island, why not have a Desert Island style
0: <laughs> tropical <Nice>. drink? <laughs> and Jay, what about you?
2: Oh, um, I would take a... A caffarina, a whiskey sour, and ginger tea. Just to mix it up.
0: Nice. Sounds good. Um and just finally we have a, a quick fire question round which is all to do with food. Um so if you just think of like the first thing that comes into your head when I ask you the question, Jay, you'll start with you if that's okay. okay. Whenever I'm hungry, I think of
2: Gyoza's. Comfort
0: food for me is Yes, a nice
2: hearty stew. My favourite childhood dessert is... Oh, sticky toffee pudding.
0: My food heaven is...
2: Sea and lovely potatoes and veg. Yummy. And my food hell is... Liver and Brussels
0: sprouts.
2: Oh. <laughs> All on the same plate. <laughs>
0: that would not smell good. Uh, and Kit, if we just go over to you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You've had some time to think about this now.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's <laughs> helped or not. <laughs> uh,
0: whenever I'm hungry, I think of... Uh, chips. Comfort food for me is...
1: Uh, chocolate.
0: My favourite childhood dessert
1: is... Give you like meringues with uh, strawberries and cream.
0: My food heaven is...
1: You know, I'd probably go with uh, fish as well. Um, smoked salmon.
0: And my food hell is... Seafood. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. I, I'm still yeah,
1: waiting which is, which is quite so. it's quite broad. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love fish, but anything beyond that I really struggle with.
0: Yeah. I'm still waiting for someone to say coriander, which is my food hill. But <laughs> <laughs> What about guacamole?
2: <laughs> guacamole. Yeah, full of coriander.
0: Oh, so you can sometimes find it without it, but yeah, if it's got uh, it in it, I'm like, no, absolutely no way. Okay. Anyway. <laughs>
1: does, it, does it taste of soap to you? Is that
0: the... Yeah, completely. Yeah, and yeah. it's far too strong, even like the smallest bit. I'm like, oh.
1: Wow, well, I love coriander.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, thank you, Jay and Kit, for being my guest today. It was a really interesting chat about rum and I've certainly learned a lot. And I'm looking forward to um joining the festival and finding out more about the different producers. So thank you very much. Thank you. That was a great chat with Jay and Kit. I'm really looking forward to trying different rums at the virtual festival. And I don't know about you, but I had no idea about the differences between white and dark rum. Here's hoping we soon have the weather for a refreshing rum punch. Now from drinks to the kitchen, as Nick Nairn shares his cooking tip. This time it's how to make a delicious cheese sauce.
3: My name is Nick Nairn and these are my cooking tips for Scran listeners. Okay, so cheese sauce, you need butter and flour melted. So m- melt the butter first. Now, every roux recipe will tell you to use equal weights of flour and butter. Don't. Use about 15% more flour so that when the butter melts in the flour, you can actually fry the flour in the butter and you cook it until you smell biscuits. Okay? Or when you pull your spatula through it, you see the edge of that part, the uh, roux, it just starts to get sandy coloured. At that point, you add cold milk and you change from a spatula to a whisk and you whisk over a high heat until it thickens up. That gives you a bechamel. And if you're looking for a cheese sauce, you add grated cheese. Um, I particularly like a mixture of cheddar and Parmesan uh, if I'm making macaroni cheese.
0: Thanks, Nick. I think a cheese sauce is a favourite among many and something you can always try to improve on. Finally, here's my lockdown food and drink of choice, which you can try at home. Hello and welcome back to my kitchen in Glasgow. I'm going to just have a quick chat about my lockdown food and drink over the last couple of weeks. Um, I've gone back to ordering things that I've enjoyed from the last couple of episodes that I've talked about. So, got a picnic coming from Barbara again, and since we can travel, I think we're going to take it up to Loch Lomond and have like a nice picnic outside. Hopefully, it doesn't rain, which is done non-stop this week and also I tried a pizza kit from Eusebius Deli in Glasgow which just recently reopened and unlike the Severino's pizza I mentioned it was more of like a already cooked dough so it would be a bit easier for kids. Uh, it was good fun, we got a kind of spice salami topping and a focaccia and a salad and it was really good, was like proper Italian style restaurant quality but I made it home. Uh, Drinks wise I'm going to be joining Diana Thompson on a little fizz tasting which should be pretty good and i'm going to be joining mark and alex who are the brand ambassadors for glenfiddich and we're doing a virtual tasting with friends that we've not seen for a while so you had to write a friend send a couple of samples and then we join zoom and have a tasting with them so that'll be good I'm looking forward to that drinks wise that you can make at home since this podcast is about rum it would be a bit remiss not to have a rum cocktail so i'm going to make a caipirinha but that's not normally made with rum, but this time we're going to make it with rum because I've got quite a good selection here. So to make that you just grab some ice. And then you put in a shot of rum, I've got the Glasgow Distillery Banditti Club rum here. And then you're going to need to juice some limes, I think it's just one lime we've got, yep. Yeah. And add that. And then just... A dash of sugar syrup and then give that a stir. And enjoy. Cheers. Thanks again to my guests Jay, Kit, and Nick Nairn, and thanks to you for listening to another episode of Scran. I'll be back on the 17th of July to chat all things blended whisky with the Glasgow Distillery Company. Until then, please rate and review us. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast and remember to follow me on Twitter at Rosalind Erskine. Like any foodie, a five-star review is what we're after, so please get ratings gran. This is a laudable production and you can get scran wherever you download your podcasts. But for interactive content, including guest pictures and other related links, download the Entail app, which is available on Android and Apple. This episode was presented and co-produced by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Morvan McIntyre.